a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And the problem that God has with that is that he didn't command it or institute it. He, he, he only wants images that he commands and institutes to be made. And when he makes himself, when, it, when the scripture says that Jesus is the very image of God, then he has made an image of himself for us, Jesus. And if we were to not have pictures of Jesus, then we would be breaking the second commandment. But now all this rests upon this moment and that you must do the right thing in order to reap the benefits of this. If you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be atoned for, if you're going to get the imputed righteousness of God, you must then do this. And and this is what's so terrible about what we call decision theology is that it, it takes everything away of the gospel and puts it all back on the law. I mean, this is a stop the press sort of thing to see God, you know? Wow! That's amazing! Stop the song! Tell us about that! That's great! Welcome to Table Talk Radio. We have a special program in store for you today. Uh, isn't every program special? That's what my mom used to tell me growing up. Brian, remember, you're special. <laughs> just like everyone else. <laughs> you just heard the voice of Pastor Jonathan Fisk. He's pastor of St. John Lutheran Church in Springfield, Pennsylvania, and host of the internet video podcast, Worldview Everlasting. Welcome to Table Talk Radio, Pastor. Yeah, Chris. it's good to be here, live and in person. That's right. Okay, so you're liver than I am. <laughs> I'm over right. here in Aurora. You're you got, in the dorm cell. You got there. solid gold at the table, man. <laughs> we're having we're having a, a Table Talk Radio auditions for the co-hosts of, of Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Every guest is an audition for the co-host. Don't That's you right. know this? Oh yeah, Evan. Didn't you send out who is the, uh, our Australian friend? Didn't you offer him the job? But <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit more of a delay through the internet. Uh, from here to Australia than from here to Aurora, Colorado. So, Otherwise, you'd have been replaced. And then uh, the other re- uh, replacement idea was uh, President Harrison. When he came to the seminary, they retired his basketball jersey here at Concordia Theological Seminary, and uh, he, he promised to give the award that he received its right honor. And so I thought, uh, I thought that was fitting to be a, a, a co-host of Table Talk Radio. Yeah, but um, he wouldn't go for the gig. The jersey? The yeah. jersey or Harrison? <laughs> Either one. Either one would be an improvement. Uh, today's Evan looks at the pictures of, on the, that he has on the wall in his room there as possible replacements for me. You know? They'd always I, agree with him, at least. I, I've got a Luther bobblehead doll that might, that might do well. In today's oh. edition of Table Talk Radio, we're going to be uh, looking at some bumper stickers for Bumper Sticker Theology with Pastor Fisk and, uh, and looking at them in light of the Ten Commandments worldviews, and the casual apologetics conversation game. And then we're going to be listening to a youth speaker and uh, trying to determine whether you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker using the checklist found on our website at tabletalkradio.org. But first, we have to start out Table Talk Radio uh, with buzzwords, and we're going to have our guest, uh, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, uh, give us the buzzword first. Yeah, Does the, Fisk, by the way, know how buzzwords work? I might not exactly know this. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Uh, simply, we we, do, we define a, a, a theological term or a, a term that is kind of inside baseball, mm-hmm. that d- define what it means, and then our task, both Brian and I, is to uh, work it into the conversation at some point during the show. Oh, nice. And okay. you can do the same for our words that we, we define, and if you do that naturally, you get up to 500 Table Talk Radio points for right. doing this. So. Does everybody scream when you do it, too? Uh, yes. 
yes, the, yeah. the, the, the in-studio audience screams when, there you when go. you get yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, the, the, the theological buzzword that I kind of came up with when Evan asked this is one that I've heard a lot in certain circles recently, but I'm not sure everyone always knows what it means. Um, but it's, it's kind of been important, especially in light of the, the positive changes in the LCMS recently. Um, but uh, the word is bureaucrat. Uh, and uh, it's one that doesn't... Could you um, spell that for me? I don't know how to spell that. You know, I, I haven't done my diligence. I thought about looking up the etymology of the word. I don't know if the root is bureau, like as in bureau drawer, um, or, or what it's connected to exactly. But in defining the term, I think it's it's best to kind of shift gears and think about the punk rock network of, of music and the underground, where to be punk rock is, is basically to be cool and to be against uh, all that is evil and bad in the world. And... Uh, then to sign a label with a major record company, to sign with them, is to become a sellout. And that's really the best definition of bureaucrat that I can come up with, is that it is a sellout. Um. I'd like to, I'd like to uh, uh, get the resident bureaucrat on Table Talk Radio's uh, response on that definition. Would you agree with that definition? I agree. Okay. <laughs> All right. My theological buzzword is especially for Pastor Wolfner because uh, he's never what heard this going on here? word before. Uh, but it comes from Theopedia, everyone's favorite uh, Oh, you use Theopedia? Yeah. I didn't yeah, yeah. even use Theopedia. Wow. Uh, I know. I got a couple I got a couple from Facebook. <laughs> oh, man, that's even worse. Uh, but the the, uh, the word is relevance. Uh, and and oh, relevance is defined as the quality of relating to a matter in hand with pertinence and appropriateness. Uh, I'm against that. <laughs> so there's maybe uh, I think there's a, a isn't that an antonym to bureaucrat? It is. Yeah. <laughs> I I think that there's a right way and a wrong way to no, look no. at relevance. There um, is. A <laughs> I mean, there is. A, this is the thing that relevance is for the bureaucrat is that so so part of the definition of bureaucrat would be the illusion of relevance, right? Yeah, yeah, it's about right. Or or de- deceive. Look at he's getting all self. serious on us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the bureaucrat thinks. Has this uh, is completely irrelevant, but it is completely unable to see his own irrelevance. Wow! I, st- I stand as the definition of that. That's like All a right, but Zen Evan moment. was going to talk. <laughs> Evan was going to talk about his definition of bureaucratic well, I was just, relevance. <laughs> I was just going to say there might be a good and and bad way to look at relevance. We certainly want to be relevant with the gospel in the sense that we want to uh, be able to proclaim the law and the gospel uh, to to ears that will hear it, and so. Uh, there, you can. T- it's possible to talk about the law in kind of an abstract way, which it doesn't uh, hit the hearers. We want to, in that sense. But uh, relevance has kind of uh, taken the cake with the seeker-sensitive movement uh, to make relevance uh, to, to push doctrine aside. Well, well, doctrine isn't really relevant to people, so we need to talk about things that are really relevant, uh, which is the bad way to look at relevance. That's bad. That's right. I, by the way, um, I, I just wrote it this morning, but I didn't post it yet on the Worldwide Wolf Mueller. But maybe by the time this thing uh, is uh, on, I'll have it up there. Uh, how to write a church growth book in five easy steps. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, and so that'll be up there. And that's all about – I don't know. I think I do say something about relevance in there. Um, uh, yes. Uh, so that, that'll be a that'll be a fun one to go to walk through on the show at some other time. All right. I found out now how to spell the word bureaucrat, so I'm looking it up in my Oxford English Dictionary, so I can give you the etymology. But in the meantime, my word, buzz word is actually a buzz phrase for you guys, and it's Latin. Opinio legis is what it is, which means the opinion of the law. Now, uh, uh, this was sent by the way. This was uh, 
suggested by Frank in Las Vegas. So thanks for that. And he pointed me to this discussion in Francis Pieper, Volume 2, The True Reasons for Opposing Divine Monergism and Conversion. He's ta- uh, uh, Pieper's talking about the reason why our flesh opposes the doctrine that the Lord alone saves us. And here, and here he's going to quote, Pieper is going to quote the Apology, the Augsburg Confession, uh, and it says this, The general motive is described in the well-known words from the Apology. This opinion of the law that works merit remission of sins inheres by nature in men's mind. Neither can it be expelled unless when we are divinely taught. And then Pieper continues, Natural man cannot rid himself of the notion that since his evil conduct under the law has separated him from God, his good conduct under the same law, his moral improvement, his good works will bring him back into communion with God. This is the opinio legis, the opinion of the law that we um, th- that we can't rid ourselves of except by the Holy Spirit, that our works merit salvation. Nice. So uh, the only time that Pastor Wolfner doesn't have to use Theopedia to get a buzzword is when a listener emails it in. Uh, so. <laughs> or someone posted on Facebook. Yeah, Look, you know I gave up show prep a long time ago. Oh, I know. I, believe me, we, we all know. <laughs> all right, let's let's uh, start looking at uh, uh, some of these bumper stickers. After the break, we'll listen to a voicemail from one of our listeners who reported some bumper stickers. Uh, but I want I want to do this one first, uh, and that is uh, uh, a bumper sticker that I saw one time. It said, "Only God can judge me." And so uh, I want to send that to, to Pastor Fisk. And, and how would we view this statement in light of the Ten Commandments and maybe a worldview or, or thought process that's going on behind that bumper sticker? That's kind of deep. Because um, uh, in one sense, it is true. But the, the use of it on the bumper sticker is implying uh, that somehow what is true is nonetheless not ac- applicable in the real world. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure I could put a philosophy to this, uh, but the whole idea of the Word of God is that, yes, it, it in fact is God judging you uh, through the mouths of men, and this is a mysterious miracle, and it, it culminates in the Word made flesh in our Lord. Uh, uh, but that His Word going out uh, is in fact His own um, judgment on, on everything, not just on like the law per se. Um, uh, but you know, you've also heard maybe people say, uh, something like, you know, how can you know what God really thinks? Uh, well, see, he told us. That, that's how we know. We wouldn't know otherwise. The, the postmodern view that you can't know anything would be true. It is true of the fallen human condition that everything's subjective and limited. But see, Jesus rose from the dead and kind of changed all that. Uh, so, Brian, you want to add anything to that? No, I mean, that's exactly right. The the the, imp- the implied thing is, hey, you can't judge me. Yeah. Uh, which is... um. Which is just the common out, you know. Uh, we're always, you know, man-made religion is always doing the Adam and Eve in the garden thing, trying to tape up fig leaves to cover our own shame. And and this is, this is often a sign that that's happening. Don't judge me. In other words, uh, I'm protecting myself, my own shame, my own sin uh, from your eyes. Yeah, I, I think Pastor Fist brings up a good point. I'd like to ask someone, uh, do you think God would use men to uh, communicate that to you? And how can they say no? Look at look at the entire Bible, you know, the prophets. and Oh, my goodness. We need to take a break. And we're going to continue Bumpster Theology right after this. There's a lot of people trying to tell the story of their life in a two-bit bumper sticker on their car. Keep your city clean, eat a pigeon. War ain't no good for kids and other things. Love America, or you can leave it. Come see the friendly folks down at Camping King. 
Table Talk Radio. For those who have tried everything else to get a good night's sleep. Baptism is such a wonderful gift from the Lord Jesus that I've been disappointed for the past five and a half years about the dinky little baptismal certificates that we give to the children and adults that are baptized. Remember those great, old, fantastic, artistic certificates that our grandparents used to get? Why not have something like that? I know there's a few available out there, but I I got together with a friend of mine who's a graphic designer, and we put together, I I think it's a beautiful design. Uh, You can see it at wolfsoncreative.com. It has the four catechism verses. It has Artwork from the Old Testament and the New Testament with Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River by John featured at the top. It's, and it's electronic, so you can print out, if you're a church and you have the ability to print on an 11 by 17 copy machine, you can print these out as many as you want. You can even input the information electronically. Uh, we started a little company to distribute this thing. It's wolfsoncreative.com is the website. And for $35, you can have this uh, electronic baptismal certificate and print as many as you want. I, I hope this will be a benefit uh, to the church and to the Lord's people uh, to have something available at this very affordable price. If you're interested, you can, again, visit the website, wolfsoncreative.com, W-O-L-F-S-O-N, creative. C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E dot com, or you can email me, brian at wolfsoncreative.com. If you have questions about this, I'm happy to talk to you about it. I want to speak on the bumper, like a bumper speaker. Stick, stick, <laughs> stick on the bumper, stick, stick, stick. So speak oh. on the bumper, like a bumper speaker. Stick, stick, stick on the bumper, stick. Welcome back to like Table Talk Radio. Bollywood goes to Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, still here with Pastor Jonathan Fisk of St. He hasn't Thomas left Lutheran yet? Church. Did you, you must have locked the door. Right, yes. The, the door is locked. Uh, Cuffed to the chair. <laughs> <laughs> We're still playing bumper sticker theology. I think, Pastor Wolfman, you have a bumper sticker for Pastor Yeah, how about this one? God loves you, asterisk. And then at the bottom. Some restrictions apply. Oh, no. <laughs> now, that almost sounds like something an atheist would put on their car. I mean, yeah, I, I know. you know, I don't know who would be driving with that. Because it could also be like a really hardcore uh, Baptist who's trying to get you to, like, be worried about salvation. Um, uh, so that's that, that alone should worry you. If an atheist can use your bumper sticker, maybe you don't want to put it out there. Um, but it's certainly uh, so. Let's go from the from the atheist point of view. They're yeah, yeah. mocking. I do, take it as I yeah, take it as mockery. They're yeah. mocking the idea that God is love and yet doesn't have a universal salvation in the sense that all will be saved um, on the last day. And so they're trying to kind of point out the the illogic. Of Christianity, and thus we are stupid and wrong, and it's not true. Interesting that we've uh, we just assume that since it's not logical, it's not true. But um, the converse of this is that uh, universal atonement has indeed been achieved, and uh, uh, in God's love. There is no restriction to this whatsoever. Uh, the unbeliever simply refuses to believe it. And they, what are you going to do if if I if I put a pie in front of you and I shove your face in it? You say, you close your mouth. You say, I won't eat it. You won't eat it. And so his love compels us in the monergistic sense unto salvation. The Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts, and yet this irresistible grace is resistible. You know that the middle of the tulip thing. It's a paradox. Neither one of these sides is all right. Um, and uh, the atheist is so stuck in thinking that God knows math 
and does everything by mathematical equation, um, <laughs> uh, he thinks he pulls one on you. So. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's really, I mean, there is this, um, there, there is this sense, of the opposition to Christianity is, hey, you guys talk about how God is love, but you don't really mean it because you also talk about the law. So the mm-hmm. law, so, so in the opposition to Christianity, the law somehow negates the gospel. So they want to have gospel without law. But we, we know that the only way you have the full-on love of God, no restrictions and everything, is by first knowing that what we deserve is his wrath and, and his anger and his damnation so that we can have his love on the cross. If you don't have the law, the way you get God's love is just because he's some sort of nice, you know, sweater-wearing 90s guy. He's like, a, the, he's like the Mr. Rogers in the sky sort of God. But when we have the love of God... Uh, in response to God's law, then we can have it really full-on gospel, no restrictions. God loves you because he died for you. So, so what you're saying, Brian, is that for this bumper sticker and this atheist, the opinio legus has caused them to reject the, the legus. Is that kind of where you're going with this? <laughs> That's pretty good. That would be yes. very relevant of you to come up with such an idea. <laughs> Only a bureaucrat could do it. <laughs> well, no points for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, what, one of the things that we always all talk right, about, all right. Well, hold on. I'll give the guy some points. He was so desperate for points. I see. I mean, most people, you know, are just thirsty, hungering, well, longing you know, for Brian, table talk radio. Ever points. since I lost you it on Iron Preacher, I mean, Ooh. I've just been, I've been suffering. I mean, this is several months now, and, and I need something to make up for. You know, it. Carrie, Carrie told me this morning because we were talking about that, and she said, uh, she said, has Fisk been on? I said, yeah, he came on to get walloped at Iron Preacher, <laughs> and Carrie said, she, she, she said, you beat Fisk. <laughs> <laughs> Shock in her voice. And she figured it out. She says, I think Dr. Fakincher just decides uh, whoever's been in the ministry longer wins. Or who graduates from his seminary. Uh, <laughs> I, think it, I think it's true, though. I have never beat anyone that's been preaching longer than me, and I've never lost anyone that's been preaching to someone less. Than, so I think Dr. Fakincher. I, 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 I thought I was the only victory you had. Have you, <laughs> you beat other people? Virtually. Yes, yes, I have. Okay. <laughs> now, Accidentally. We, we, we talk about all the time when we play bumper sticker theology that uh, the nice thing about bumper stickers is that you get a sticker in the back of your car and it can be very opinionated and you don't have to like talk to anyone about it. You know, you don't have to like defend it or give arguments for whatever you say. But say you're, you're kind of going to the parking lot and you see the guy getting out of the car and it has this bumper sticker on it. What, what might you say to start a conversation there? This bumper sticker of uh, with the asterisk, yeah. the guy loves you and so forth. Um, I probably just punch him. Let's <laughs> go up and start a start a Fight Club going. In love, um, yeah. In love, uh, you know. And that's that's a tough question for me to answer because, uh, in spite of public appearance, I'm an introvert, and so I don't like starting conversations. Um, uh, but let's say I was in an argument or a discussion, <laughs> you know, having having a, a, a Lutheran beverage with a friend and uh, who's an atheist, and they bring this up, you know, that this is a this is a fallacy. Uh, that God loves you, um, and yet has restrictions applying. Um, I would I would basically give the same answer I gave before: is that the, the fallacy is thinking that uh, because God has not uh, made you an automaton, a robot in salvation, but uh, has made His His grace resistible. Um, in its irresistibility, again, I've got to maintain that tension. But uh, you're, you're just you're working with a level uh, of reason that can in no way wrestle with the implications of the death and resurrection of the cross on Christ. And so, as uh, with all things, I would want to turn the conversation away from speculative philosophy, which is what he's talking about, 
to the history uh, that in time and space, there's this guy named Jesus who died and rose again. And not only the Bible, but extra, extra biblical sources tell us that this is pretty much irrefutable, that the tomb was empty. The apostles who were afraid before the, uh, before the resurrection uh, now are suddenly preaching he's raised and get killed for it. Uh, the historical evidence is pretty clear that he then, uh, something happened. Uh, you got to wrestle with that. Once you wrestle with that, uh, and you come to the recognition that there is a resurrection, all the other things fall into place, and it's a lot easier to take the, the, the mysteries and the paradoxes because the sign that has been given to which convince us of this is the sign of Jonah, three days in the earth and then out again. And so every conversation that's in a philosophy area, I would want to try to turn it back to the history. And I think in our postmodern world, that's a little hard. People aren't used to thinking historically, but it's also one of our greatest assets as a as a religion. We are the only historical religion that has a claim. You disprove this claim, and it is not true. Um, but because it's undisprovable, because he did rise from the dead, uh, you can know that God loves the world, atoned for it, and wants all to believe and be saved, and yet some will reject this. Very good. Now let's let's switch gears a little bit here and go to our 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 youth speaker analysis here. Now, on Table Talk Radio, we have this uh, checklist. I think, um, well, Pastor Wolfman wrote this, but I, I took the liberty to alter it. <clears throat> but <laughs> So you'll notice the best parts. Those are, <laughs> those are, part, those are from Evan. <laughs> but it's this, this uh, 10-point checklist of how to tell you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker. And of course, as, as you can see, we do this also with our Praise Song Cruncher, where we're trying to analyze the emotional manipulation uh, of a youth speaker. But, Pastor Fisk, you've uh, taken a little bit of a, another approach in analyzing, I guess, youth ministry as a whole, and you've before called it moralistic therapeutic deism. Mm, yeah. Describe what you mean by that. Well, that's, that's not my own term. It's based on a book by Christian Smith called Soul Searching, in which he did uh, research on American teenage youth who are religious. And he, it was pan-denominational, conservative, liberal, Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox. Everybody was in this boat. And he found that, and I can't give you the exact percentage, but it's like 90%, 95% of American religious youth believe the same thing, and it's not what their church teaches. And he called it moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic, be good, therapeutic, that will make you happy or because God exists and he will reward it. Um, and that they all believe this, and that this is not really Christianity in any way, shape, or form. It's this mutant paganism of a sort. Um, it's the opinio legis, uh, <laughs> uh, and it is... Uh, is what they all believe. Um, and so the concern is for that I have is that the emotional manipulation that you see in so much standard youth work has done nothing to counteract this because rather than imparting the actual faith, they have imparted the therapy, right? That God is going to make you feel good. So most youth work is actually teaching this mutant form of religion, which you can get from Oprah. And so why are we wasting money doing what Oprah is already doing and making money doing it? You know? Right, so. yeah. Well, I think uh, th- this will be... Uh, Crushing my world, Fisk. Really? <laughs> this will be wonderfully demonstrated. Um, we have about a minute here. Let's let's start to look at some of these checklists, and we'll, we'll begin listening to the youth speaker I've selected on the other side of the break. And the first one is, uh, this is just a, a key mark of emotional manipulation. They begin in a static frenzy and ends with an intimate whisper. Uh, and Pastor Wolfner does this in his sermons on a regular basis. but That's true. <laughs> 
I begin my sentences in ecstatic frenzies and end them in intimate whispers. <laughs> it's hard to leave your upbringing behind, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's an emotional roller coaster going to Hope Lutheran Church. I know it. I know. It's, a, it's an emotional roller coaster just being here. <laughs> quotes and set. This is set number two. Quotes incessantly from pop culture movies and television shows, which most teens have the good sense to ignore. Hmm. I don't, now, uh, we're not applying this to Worldview Everlasting, are we? No, no, no. <laughs> It's <laughs> funny. It is emotional <laughs> manipulation. It's just true. <laughs> One more before the break. Uh, there's a, this is appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that there's background music during the prayers, <laughs> uh, and that's important. You gotta you gotta have that right touch. You know, the lights have to be just right. You know, you, you notice that the atmosphere is very important in this. Uh, we've reached uh, the first three uh, points on the checklist. How to tell if, if being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker. And we're going to continue this right after this break. You are listening to Table Talk Radio. We'd like to hear from you by sending us an email questions at tabletalkradio.org. I love my cat. Vote Republican. Vote Democrat. And I hope you find one honest and true. All I'm debating tonight is where to have dinner with you. No heretics were harmed in the making of this show. Well, (laughs) physically harmed. Martin Luther says that the most common idol in all of the world is the idol of money, that we trust in it, that we fear losing it, that we think that because we have it, we're secure. Here at Table Talk Radio, we have the solution for this idolatry. Click the Donate Now button on our website, and you will support the ongoing efforts of Table Talk Radio to spread this word of God throughout the world. Table Talk Radio is listener-supported. If you would like to help with the financial needs of Table Talk Radio, just click the Donate button on our website. TableTalkRadio.org. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, praise his name. Glory, glory. Even a dog knows this is heresy. Glory, glory, praise his name. Oh, talking about youth ministry on Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Relevancy failed. <laughs> I get points for that. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're working our way through the uh, checklist of how to tell you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker. And this is on our website at tabletalkradio.org. Click on the articles. You can print it off. and has uh, three nice, easy checklists. Uh, cut them up and then uh, give them out to all the people at uh, your youth gathering. And uh, they can they'll, they'll have a, a checklist as they as they hear um, the speaker. Okay, the next one is uh, subtle encouragement. Wait, wait, are, weren't we saying to print these things out and then hand them out not only to the youth but also to the youth speaker? Yeah. So, so he, when they go when they're right to, about to get on stage, you <laughs> hand this to them and say, "Hey, I gave this to all my kids," and then <laughs> you look at the panic in their eyes. <laughs> right. Uh, but the next one is, is subtle encouragement of teenage rebellion by poking at the establishment. Uh, now, Pastor Wolf, why was this one on there? 
Uh, because the foundational commandment for youth ministry is breaking the fourth commandment. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, there is you just buy in completely to this myth of the teenager, which is mm. what does it mean to be a teenager? It means to rebel against your parents. You know, uh, they don't know what you're going through. They don't know what you're feeling. They don't know how hard it is to be a, a youth these days. You know, you're grown up now. You should have all the responsibility of. Uh, of being an adult, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So if you can, if you can tap into that teenage vitriol, rather than calling it a sin, you 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 take it, uh, you use it for your own advantage um, to emotionally manipulate the youth. Yep. So you got to make fun of how your parents are fuddy duddies, how your dad pulls up his white socks and wears sandals <laughs> with it, etc., etc., etc. Wait a minute. Do All I right. do that when I make fun of you? <laughs> I don't know. I never could see. Oh. You got to get the Table Talk Radio webcam. Oh, that's okay. I, yeah, I that's that, okay. That, oh. You should see his hair right now, Brian. <laughs> you talk to Fisk about uh, about moving into the video world. I don't know if I want to do that. Number five, speakers talks of the death of a loved one. Oh, this is a big one. You, this is a big one. You got it. I mean, it. this is the hooker. Yeah. You know, I mean, you gotta. If you, you, you want to be serious, the only thing that uh, the youth know how to be serious about in the mind of the youth speaker is someone that they love dying. So you got to tell the story about it. Right. The next one is uh, uh, at least one story or illustration has inappropriate sexual sexuality, nudity, etc. Uh, this happens all the time too. Now yeah, uh, that uh, that shows how relevant you are and how cool mm-hmm. you are. You got to be edgy. No, you can notice that these last are following a bit of the uh, the the commandments. Number yeah, four, five, yeah, and six are breaking the four, five, and six commandments. And now, then number seven fits in with that. Merchandise sales are part of this. That's nine and ten, right? And, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> well, that's and, number seven. Theft. <laughs> well, you say this. This is the one that I wanted to change because uh, I mean. You hear it that they want to sell merchandise. I don't know if the selling of merchandise contributes to the emotional manipulation or not. It's really probably the goal of a mer- uh, yeah. emotional manipulation. So, um, but one thing that I I see happen a lot that I don't know if it fits into this in, into any of your other checklist is that a speaker will try to uh, appeal to the audience by showing how bad they used to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, I used to. Oh, I used to go drinking all the time. I used to be just like you. You know. So they try to identify. You know. Uh, so I. I if, if I had to add one, I'd throw it in there somewhere. Uh, so, oh, yeah, how, that we could put it in there. It would be something like um, uh, pre-conversion um, war stories kind of thing. <laughs> right. Uh, and then uh, the speaker cries. That you know, that's that's just a, a rope in. And then uh, I think also with the speaker cries, we we've expanded that to be that the speaker gets very very emotional. So you don't actually have to see tears drip off, although it, it's helpful. I mean, for all those <laughs> youth speakers out there that are, you know, riveted to the radio now because you you see the gold here, the mm-hmm. possibility, the golden possibilities of this checklist. The the more emotional you can be, the better. But you got one cry in a speech. You can't go if you cry twice, then you're gonna be. But you got one good cry in in your thing there, and that'll that's a good hooker. Yeah, and it's a good thing you don't have the hearers cry because then you'd have to include the listeners to Table Talk Radio. It burns my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, having you repeat after them is a big one. Uh, this is a, a, another way to, to draw them in emotionally. But last but not least, five minutes after the talk is over, you've forgotten the content, remembering only that you were moved. Mm. Or their dominant image, right? Uh, they use an idea or a story or an image, and you remember that, but you don't have a clue what else they said. Yeah, right. yeah. You remember the stories, but not mm-hmm. the content. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right, so that is a checklist. Now, we're going to play... 
uh, 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 several clips here. And we'll, we'll look at this in, the, in light of the checklist, but I also want to look at this in light of the moralistic therapeutic de- deism mm-hmm. that you talked about, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clips I have today are from Eric Bryant. He's the growth pastor. I don't even know what that is. He's the growth <laughs> pastor at Gateway That's because you're going to be deals, the He deals with uh, uh, um, cancer care shut-ins. Oh, okay. <laughs> The growth pastor at Gateway Church in Austin, Texas. Uh, And he's speaking here to the Christian Assembly Fusion Retreat, which is a gathering of uh, young adults. So maybe a little bit older than what we would call youth ministry, but Mm. in that same camp nonetheless. Here is the very first minute and a half of Eric Bryant's uh, talk. I want to call it a sermon. A talk with the, the Fusion Retreat. Here it is. Well, it's great to be with you guys this weekend. And you know you must really, uh, really want to see something significant happen in your life because you've decided not to be at the USC-UCLA game. My, uh, my nine-year-old son pop culture. That's uh, pop was culture. so excited about the retreat until he realized he was n- going to miss all of college football tomorrow. So I'm glad that you're all here. And actually, I don't know if Tom asked crying earlier, how many of this is your first time to this camp, Marietta Hot Springs? All right, most of us. Wow. Okay, I don't know if you had the same experience I did. It's a beautiful place. Uh, but I have to tell you, when I first drove in, I turned back and I yelled at my kids. It's like, who made this car stink? <laughs> and they both claimed it wasn't them. And my wife, who has been here, said, oh, no, it's the hot springs. And I thought, and you're supposed to get in these hot springs? And you see, I have this uh, very unusual superpower. I discovered as a young kid, I can smell things at a distance. And, and it's, it's a wonderful thing around Christmas when my wife, my wife is baking. You know, I can even, there are times I can even tell when it's about to rain. Like it's this really interesting, unique capacity that I have. But it's a horrible superpower. When you walk into an airplane, when you work with junior high boys at a camp... <laughs> Just the other day, I, my little boy Caleb, who's nine, as I mentioned, I said, Caleb, you need to put on new underwear before school tomorrow. And he said, but I already did three days ago. Can't wait Throw your kids under the girls, bus. Right? Yeah, this is, on this. It's the antithesis to teenage rebellion. He's dealing with young adults now, so it's got to make fun of the kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's true. That's uh, really interesting. And, and even, though, even though it's not dealing with sexuality or, or nudity, I mean, talking about... Gratuitous you know, humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so... I think that should be on there, too. I mean, uh, any sort of talk about gas. <laughs> Potty humor. Yeah, yeah. Potty humor. So that's that's the first minute and a half of of the talk. So that's that's setting the tone here. Uh, but here we get into a little bit more of the substance. Here is, again, Eric Bryant. And, and so, but he says something really strange in here. He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I remember going to a camp when I was in high school, and, and Christian camp graffiti is always a little bit... Unusual, right? It's not usually as profane or crude. It's sometimes weirder. (laughs) And I remember laying in my bunk, on the bottom bunk, and looking up, and I saw this guy had written, I love myself. (laughs) And I thought, I wonder if this guy ended up in one of those special, you know, counseling situations throughout the weekend. Like, that just sounded so odd to me, just so weird to me. And I, I think part of why it sounds weird is because it seems to push us towards narcissism or selfishness, right? 
which seems mm-hmm. to go against everything that <laughs> yes, Jesus seems to talk about. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I don't even like myself. What do you mean, love myself? Well, part of it, I think, what I began to realize is that love as defined by God oh. is very different than how we define love. Oh, no. Often oh. we define love that, by Wait, wait, so hold on, Evan. Can you pause want. it there? Because well, this, is a, this could be a setup for a really fantastic point. I mean, he could bring out the, this that we're talking about, the opinio legis, the law, that we have this innate love of ourself and how it, that's part of our sinfulness that we're curved in on ourself and how Jesus is going to come to correct that. I mean, this could be... This this setup could be very good. But, but he's but, already said that he doesn't understand it. He's he's proven that he has no clue what the first commandment is. In fact, is, insofar as his breaking it of it all the time. Like I don't. What does that mean? I love myself. I don't even know what that means. That, yeah. You have no idea that you're a sinner. I know. I know. And it's, but I get the hint exactly what you said, Fisk, is that this is going to really head exactly the wrong mm-hmm. direction. Yeah. Uh, but to point out the fact that it didn't have to. I mean, sure. The, the, that that illustration, I love myself. Could this is very this could this could get somewhere good? All right, let's, let's see. Let's see uh, how he defines love. We feel like we need what we hope to get. It's more of a like or a lust, right? But love, according to Jesus, when Jesus was describing love, he said this. He said, "Love is this: laying down your life for your friend." Who did that? One of the early I, leaders. I of Christianity, Paul said, God demonstrates love in this, that while we were sinners, while we were people making self-destructive choices, Jesus died for us. Nice. You see, love means sacrifice. All right. Let's see where he goes with that when we come back on Table Talk Radio. You're listening to uh, youth speaker Eric Bryant. Uh, talk to the Christian Academy Fusion Retreat, and we're deciding whether it's emotional manipulation or moralistic therapies. D is we'll right back. Work your psychology. Take good care of me. Always been there for me. Boy, I can't believe. I need your therapy. Giving me everything. So much I have been seeing. Without you, I'm weak in the knees. I need your therapy. Table Talk Radio, the low-calorie Lutheran radio game show. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio here with Pastor Jonathan Fisk of St. John Lutheran Church in Springfield, Pennsylvania, and the host of the internet video podcast, Worldview Everlasting. All right, so when we left off uh, listening to Eric Bryant, he defined love. What would you first make of his definition of love? Well, he was he was going to scripture, and this was good, that he actually did get to the point of showing that, that love is what Jesus Christ did. Um. But I don't even want to talk about that, which is sad, because I normally would love to talk about that, because I feel like I know where he's going. And where he's going (laughs) is, so you do it too. Um, He's going to completely use the gospel as pretext 
for the law. So the opinio legis, uh, which is a Latin term I learned recently, um, uh, will... <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't, don't ever anyone say you didn't learn anything on yeah, Table.Radio. Yeah. Uh, his, his opinion of the law is going to dominate his understanding of the gospel so that he will crush it and steal from you the good news. Um, but he, he's right, like You're though. using your magical YouTube video prophetic powers on this guy? No, I just I've heard these sermons before. Yeah, right, I mean, right, maybe right. he maybe yeah. he'll surprise us. You you know the way the waves going. You you uh, yeah, I see. Yeah. He's right though. I mean, love love is not defined as lust, and he kind of was right there. Although he said it weird that we tend to think of it as as the thing I desire to have for myself, and that is not the definition of love. The definition of love is to do for the other, in spite of what it may cause you. It is selflessness. Um, not in the Buddhist sense as a non-existence of self, but as the, the essence of God's heart is service, uh, to, to bless, not curse. And so everything God has ever done has been blessing to us. We have rejected this and created our curse. Um, and so, yeah, if we're going to talk about Christian love, it is to love your neighbor as yourself, to lay down your life for your friends. But that's not what makes you a Christian, and certainly not what's going to transform your life, which is what he talked about right off of the bat. You know, you're going to transform your life, come up here ready for something big. Yeah, go love people. Oh, man. I mean, hello, Roman Catholicism. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see where he goes. Here's uh, Eric Bryant. Even the word passion, if you were to think of the definition of passion, you know, we think it's like, again, that deep desire, we want something. But actually, the number one definition of the word passion in Webster's Dictionary is the sufferings and crucifixion of Jesus. You may be familiar with like a passion play, right? Passion is what you're willing to die for. Love is a willingness to sacrifice. So if you think about it for a moment, then if we're to love other people, we're supposed to sacrifice on behalf of others. If we're loving God, then we're supposed to sacrifice for God. And if we're loving ourselves, that doesn't mean we get to have whatever we want, loving ourselves means that we trust the God who made us, just as He made us. And it means we're willing to sacrifice to become the people He created us to be. Ugh, your prophetic powers you have proven and I true. Trust that who we are was on purpose. Oh, and that there's a come on! Purpose. Do we... Make decisions that we sacrifice in order to become the person that God has always wanted us to be. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pastor Rohan. <laughs> Just nothing like Jesus is my great example. Mm. I mean, this is a, like, look, Jesus gave up everything for you, so now you've got to give up everything for him is the absolute worst possible thing to come out of the human mouth. Mm. I mean, it's just ah, to take the good news and to use it in service to the worst news of all that that uh, is just it's absolutely horrendous yeah i, I call it the gospel so that uh, that the gospel is so that you can and uh, as soon as the sermon starts moving that way, you know you need another place to hear the word. And it's not that the law should never be preached or that you always have to preach law, then gospel, and end with gospel. But what the so that does is it commingles. It confuses the law and the gospel. It makes the, the law part of the gospel, and it's not. It's a separate thing. It's a separate the, word. Paul says that the law is given to bring us to the gospel, but he, the way that this is being misused is the gospel is being used to bring yes, us to right. the law. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely horrendous. 
Yeah. It's like, it look at, look at, here, here. I'm gonna set you free so that now I can put you in slavery. Hey, again. Yeah. Mm. Paul said that to Galatians, didn't he? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Do not be yoked again to the yoke of freedom. That's right. <laughs> oh man, have you ever heard it this way? I I read a, a, a Bible study on Galatians from one of these uh, these Bible studies. No pastor Bible studies people go to sometimes, and uh, it, it did pretty good. It did pretty good all the way through exegeting the text, and it gets to the part about the freedom for which Christ has set you free. And the next line was so. Are you living in the freedom Christ has given you? And I was like, Are you kidding me? You just swiped the whole book away. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Are you living in the freedom? Uh, imagine, imagine uh, you're going to one of the slaves, you know, that this has been released, and go, Are you living in the freedom? I mean, because because that makes the freedom a law. How can I be I more free? So. I, I hope I'm more free. I, uh. I, I, oh man, I don't feel free. I'm not being free. How do I get free again? It, it's just, oh, it's just insane. All right, another clip from Eric Bryant. Any of you watch The Biggest Loser? Nope. Oh, I do. We're going to woohoo all weekend, I think. The Biggest Loser. My <laughs> wife loves that show, and, and so I watch it with her every yeah, week. Yeah, I blame all the shows you don't but want to admit watching on your wife. One of the things I hate about The Biggest Loser is every <laughs> time these people on there say, now this is the first time in your life that you're finally putting yourself first. And I always hate that because it sounds so selfish. It sounds so narcissistic. Narcissistic, right? Yeah. Like yes. the solution yeah, to right. our problems is we just don't yeah. make ourselves the priority enough, right? And I just it just goes against everything inside of me. And then I realize, wait a minute, hold on for a second here. Oh no, 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 no. When no. I sort of let myself go, I pretty much eat whatever I want, do whatever don't I say. want. Like I pretty much am my priority. But when these men and women are at this camp, making themselves a priority means eating vegetables. <laughs> Making themselves a priority means they're in the gym for six hours. Like, when you make yourself a priority, when you decide to love yourself, that means you sacrifice to become the person you're supposed to be. Oh, no. And some of us have found ourselves not trusting the God who made us because we don't like who we are. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> it wasn't even a clear discon- or a clear connection between the two things. I think he said the opposite thing that he was trying to say. I, uh, oh, man, I don't even know. I'm depressed now. So, <laughs> so I think what he's trying to say, and not that I agree with him, but the, 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 the selflessness or selfishness is a good selfishness because it's toward good health. And and. It's like he's traded one law for another, though. There, yeah. There's oh, a yeah. law of self-indulgence, and now he's going to trade it for for the law of self-asceticism. And and it, they're both law, you know, and they're and they're both self-centered. And, and he is teaching. Let's let's go to the morality thing, though. He is trying to teach morality as therapy, right? And that's where you know, then these the Biggest Loser. That's exactly it. They they're they're loving themselves, and so they're going to achieve a better purpose. And th- purpose is a therapy word uh, in their life by by choosing to love, right? And that this is and the the assumption behind it all is this is what God wants you to do. That's why you're at this Christian camp, you know. Um, so yeah, it's right it's right there. It's what he's preaching. It's moralistic therapeutic deism. Now we now it's not is it deism? It's actually moralistic therapeutic Jesusism, and maybe that's even worse because now I mean, at least with deism and the unknown God, you can go in and be like, you know, I don't know who that un- unknown God is, but I know Jesus, and I can tell you what he says. But when people think they know Jesus and they know a false Jesus, uh, it, it really is hard to get through to them. Yeah, right. Well, uh, not to continue Pastor Fist's depression, but uh, mm. there's a 
few more clips. I he dwell can in take darkness. It. He can take it. <laughs> Bring it on. And there's two things, just real quickly, when it comes to your circumstances. One, you're stronger than you realize. <laughs> That's good. Philippians 4.13, one of these verses you might see on Tim Tebow on his little black eye thing, right? And you, you've heard this your whole life if you've gone to church. And even if you haven't, you've probably heard this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He wrote that in prison, buddy. And that doesn't buddy. mean throw a touchdown, or it doesn't mean lift a car. It means what Paul was saying is that you can actually be content no matter what you're facing. You're stronger than you realize. If your circumstances seem to overwhelm you, you're actually stronger than you realize. And the second is you're not stuck. You don't have to stay in that situation if it's not the best no, place for you. No, he's preaching infused grace. For others of us, it, it may not be our appearance, it may not be our circumstances. What keeps us from seeing ourselves as unique, what keeps us from trusting God who made us, is we don't like our personality. We just don't like <laughs> the bad habits that we seem to have. Or the things that we this, seem to this is resonating be good at that no one else really here. appreciates. <laughs> right. Now, uh, Lazarus, make, make the connection. How is that uh, infused, infused grace? Infused grace, which is Roman Catholicism, the idea that God... Uh, the righteousness of Christ becomes your righteousness, not through faith, but by actually changing your substance um, and and making you into a good person. And so now he's able to say to you, because you're a Christian, you are in fact and in truth actually righteous, not by imputation. It's so hard to, to define these two apart from each other. But so that this righteousness is your own and you will live it. You will do it. You will be it. You have a superpower others don't have. Uh, in Rome, at the very least, they say you can't get this righteousness apart from the sacraments, which is, so at least they're still pointing you to somewhere where Jesus is. Here now, he's just saying it's you. You just are. You became a Christian and now you are righteousness. I mean, this is this is Roman Catholicism. That's it's, right. It's sick. Well, we uh, are at the end of the show. We have two more clips. Uh, can you stay a little bit longer after yeah, the show? Yeah, sure, sure thing. We'll do uh, extra innings. So if you're listening to this oh, show onto the radio, that's where it gets good. TabletalkRadio.org, <laughs> and we'll finish up this show with Pastor Fisk after this. Uh, but for those of you listening on the radio, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the candy bar stuck in the vending machine. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Thanks for hanging in there for the extra innings of Table Talk Radio. You're welcome, Evan. You're welcome. Yeah, you especially. <laughs> I'm chained to the chair. What <laughs> am I going to do? <laughs> didn't want you to go anywhere. <laughs> All right, well, we're listening to these clips from uh, Eric Bryant, and we have two more. Uh, and here is the first of the two. He said, Eric, you remind me of Michael Jordan playing baseball. <laughs> Pop reference. If you're not a big sports fan, that's not a compliment. <laughs> he said, stop playing baseball and start playing basketball. Stop trying to be someone you're not and be happy for who oh. God created you to be. Oh. Become the best you you can be. Stop trying to be a <laughs> copy of someone else. Yeah, Unabomber. Tell, tell the Unabomber that. I wonder, do we see the strengths and the passion and the, 
And the way we see the world is, as specifically even helping us determine what we should be doing. And for some of us, what keeps us from really experiencing the kind of life that therapy. God intends for us is moral we, therapy. We don't trust God because and of there's what the deism God, the unnamed God. Notice, not even and God the Father. It has nothing to do with our appearance or our circumstances or even our our personality. It's it's the family we grew up in. It's the abuse. Ooh, is that is that like the um, one loved one dying? God, yeah. when we've faced so much pain. Hey, that counts. If God created us and loves us, then why would that have ever happened? And maybe what we need to do is take a step back and, and realize that the cost of freedom, the freedom that we experience as men and women, is pain. We hurt each other. We're not fair. We rob from each other. Getting quieter. And the amazing thing about God, and what I hope and pray you'll experience this weekend, either for the first time or in a new way, is that even in the midst of the most painful experiences, God can come and bring healing. And even use those most painful moments to help you discover who He wants you to be. Greek for healing. Therapeuo. Yeah. Uh, So, okay, so I think, uh, I mean, we had that... uh, uh, ends in an intimate whisper. I think that qualifies. I think he had a tear in his cheek too. He couldn't see it. <laughs> hear it, but uh, it's close. Um, did we have? Did we already have subtle encouragement of teenage rebellion? I think we did. Yeah. I well, think it was the opposite. It was the gas the mocking oh, his kids too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So pop culture, we definitely got all over the place. Um, death of a loved one. Uh, didn't talk about the death of a loved one, but I was talking about the. Uh, uh, the hardships of life, you know, these really hard times of being mm-hmm, abused and mm-hmm. things. Um, and, you know, grotesque jokes counts. No merchandise sales or uh, the showing how bad I used to be so I can relate to you. Um, did we have, a, did we have a, a, a sparkle in the eye there towards the end? You know, though, the, um, the, the showing how bad I used to be, um, I think that also the, the whole thing about uh, having trouble with his kids, though, He's talking to young adults ah. again, and so he's he's trying to set up this "I'm just like you" attitude. Um, it doesn't have the transformation effect, but then but then it's also connected at the end. You know, these hard times that we go through with our families and all this stuff, and and so and and God will help us get out of it in a sense to get through it. Um, so he is certainly trying to make this uh, "I'm real, you can trust me." Yeah, yeah. I'm, the, the the quest of authenticity. Yeah. Um, a little sparkle in his eye there at the end. Where's the sparkle? On the list. Oh, just the the the, uh, the speaker cries. It, okay. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tearing up a little bit. Yeah. All right. We have one more clip. Let's see how uh, Eric Bryant ends this talk uh, at the Christian Assembly Fusion Retreat. Some of us don't realize how valuable we really are. This is really. We don't weird. realize that God's love is so strong and so pure that He sees through our brokenness. And He sees who He created us to be. And He loves us no matter how far, far short we are. Some That's of us why He sends people so to hell. focused on what we don't have that we haven't paused to be thankful for what we do have. Some of us have been so consumed 
with not loving ourselves, we haven't realized we're robbing the people around us of our love for them. Perhaps this weekend, if we could see ourselves as unique, maybe even remember some of those times where we saw the, unique, that's of the, therapy again, the image unique. of God within us. Special. You're special. Yeah. And if we could hear God's voice calling us to become the person He wants us to be. Are we willing to trust God for the way He's created us, just as we are? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. All right, so that's... I don't, what I don't, was that from? <laughs> uh, the Anchorman. The Weatherman, or what is it? The Anchorman. The, the Anchorman. Anchorman. That's the Anchorman. With Anchorman. Will Why Ferrell. are we always quoting Will Ferrell movies <laughs> in this know. show? <laughs> we are your highbrow Lutheran yeah, talk yeah, show. Because you are, uh, you are encouraging teenage rebellion. That's what Yeah, I, pretty soon we, I'm we going to quote Shakespeare. It's going to be from the comedy of errors. So now it's been it's been 30 seconds and I already forgot the last clip. So that counts as the final block here. <laughs> yeah. um, Don't you remember? You're special. And you have yeah. many leather bound well, books. He made a switch though. Initially it was... It was Maybe he went back and forth. He went from like a, a, a God loves you the way you are. Then he went to so change, right? <laughs> Which is a complete, you know, uh, misnomer. But so change, be better, love other people. But, but you're being better is realizing how special you is are. Is being so how special so. you are and being more <laughs> selfish so that you'll love others because your consuming problem is you're not selfish enough. Yeah, that's right. Oh man. So so you got to know that you're special. So your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is you don't know how good you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How if good you know, God made you. If you only knew how good you are, then you'd be a lot better. <laughs> so go out and do it, jerk. Come on. Okay, now. Get up. I mean, you need a, you need a drill Love instructor. yourself. Love yourself more. <laughs> you know, the next thing you know, they're on the ground whipping themselves in order to be more righteous. Hey, know, wait a I minute. Wish, I wish I loved this. myself more, and, and now they're punishing themselves for loving for not loving themselves enough. And they're like, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> Golly. So if my if my tally is correct, I I have seven checks, uh, One, two, which three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, that's what I have uh, too. It's a good thing you have this checklist. Is the scale at the bottom? Now, Pastor Fisk, close out the show telling us what is uh, what should youth ministry be about? What should we be telling our youth? What does the church mm. need to give uh, the young people of the church? Well. Initially and without doubt, the catechism, um, uh, and by that I don't just mean uh, words of men. I mean the the summary of the Christian faith, that there is a right and wrong. The Ten Commandments are what sums us up better than anything else, and these are good, and we should love these things because they they do in fact help other people. Um, uh, but that we do not we do not do these things, uh, and being shown this and this this law which we don't achieve, we need to be telling our kids about this historical person, Jesus. Uh, who died and rose from the grave in time, and this is provable as history, uh, and this changes everything. Then our connection to this Jesus uh, is not through ourselves and how special we are uh, at all. Quite the opposite. It is extra nose. It is outside of us. It comes to us in the preaching about him, which we have now written in Scripture and is preached again by the men who are sent in the Holy Office to forgive sins as well as to bind them, which is a, a binding of sins in the pastoral office is a great, great uh, gift to the church and gift even to personal piety. Uh, but then the baptism and supper, which we participate in, uh, which is a spirituality to point us again outside of ourselves to Christ. All youth ministry 
uh, and then prayer. I left out the Lord's Prayer. All youth ministry as its high-end goal should be instilling that culture, that spirituality, that worldview, whatever word you want to use, in them as an identity. Uh, in the same way that he's instilling, that, that guy was a perfect example of instilling in them the identity of moralistic therapeutic deism. That is who you are. Um, uh, and so everything that you would do as a practice around that in youth ministry would flow from that. And that could look different ways, um, uh, but it would it would have its pinnacle and peak always be actual word and sacrament spirituality, uh, the finding of God in the places God has said, here I am. Um, yeah. Jonathan Fisk, he's a pastor of St. John Lutheran Church in Springfield, Pennsylvania, and the host of a Worldview Everlasting. Check out Worldview Everlasting on YouTube. Thank you, Pastor Fisk, for joining us on Table Yeah, Talk it Radio. was my pain, believe me. <laughs> and we got a note on our Facebook fan page, by the way. Someone was complaining that we hadn't got our last podcast up, and he says, hurry and put the next podcast up. I'm going sane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for, for sticking in uh, for the extra innings of Table Talk Radio. Uh, 100 Table Talk Radio points to you all. See you next time.